And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Over the weekend, something occurred to me. Uh, we kept hearing of how uh, resilient, strong, courageous the uh, Ukrainian people were, and I don't doubt that. But we were also being told that they were being militarily successful in thwarting Russia. Now, that may well be true, but the big question I have is, does anybody really think that Russia was giving it their best shot? And so while we had the mainstream press all talking about how wonderfully uh, Ukraine was fighting back against Russia, none of us actually knew uh, what percentage of Russian forces were being committed now what we're seeing is Russia's decided to up the ante and they got more forces going in there. The Ukrainian people will continue to be courageous and strong. I don't doubt that. But uh, look, it was a false picture. Over the weekend, it was a false picture of what the military situation was like. And there are some other things here that have me uh, concerned. When the mainstream press all agree on American foreign policy— and everyone, from the Kardashians to Justin Trudeau <laughs> to President Biden, cast all the same characters in the white and black hats, we should beware. Uh, it's not the purpose of the press to get behind American foreign policy and advocate. It's the purpose of the press to help us understand what's going on in this story. And... Uh, they're not doing a very good job of letting us know what's going on. And I'm going to spend some time here. Uh, before I go into this, let me make it clear. Uh, I think Putin's invasion of Ukraine is uh, immoral. Uh, I think it's against international law. I think that uh, it's, he's, it's receiving the condemnation it deserves. And I even think China uh, should be coming out uh, and condemning it. So, I don't think what's going on here in any way is good. However, I also don't think we're being very smart about Putin's motives. Always beware when the mainstream press has everybody, in, you know, where they all have all the white hats, we know who they are, all the black hats, we know who they are, and they keep repeating the same story. So let's look at the current big story, right? This is the conventional way of telling the story. Uh, former KGB Vladimir Putin has been nursing a grudge since the tragic collapse of the Soviet Union. He longs to restore the Soviet Empire and has finally reached the end of his uh, rope. He, he wants to take back Ukraine. Ukraine was one of the first countries to declare independence from the Soviet Union back in 1991, and the Russian people feel a special bond with Ukraine. Putin himself uh, the story is now telling us, might be coming unhinged, mentally unstable, uh, because most of the nations of the earth oppose him. He's, he might be breaking down. Uh, okay, maybe. Ukraine, as again, the major another major character here, is presented as an immature but growing democracy, definitely on the right side of history, anxious to join the European Union, uh, everybody is impressed by Ukrainian zeal and courage, and their street savvy, their patriotism are keeping the Russian bear at bay. That's roughly how the story is being told right now. But there's another, there's another way of telling the story, and it's grounded in responsible, although a different reading of the relationship between 
Russia, Ukraine, the European Union, NATO, Putin, and the West. The story, this story I'm going to share with you, has been discussed on the pages of the prestigious foreign policy journals and books published by mainstream New York and British publishers. In other words, it's really out there and is, many people believe this is a better way of understanding it. And yet the mainstream press hasn't spent any time proposing this alternate understanding of Putin's motivation. This alternate story sees Putin not as a marginal madman greedily longing for empire. It sees him as the head of a nation that remains frightened, maybe paranoid, but frightened of losing its security. Here's a fact, which I don't know if you've heard it anywhere. I've not heard it in the mainstream press. Did you know that since the dismantling of the Soviet Union, every Russian leader has been opposed to enlarging NATO to the borders of Russia? The boozy and comical Yeltsin, the suave and reasonable Gorbachev, the compliant Dmitry Medvedev, the the sly, uh, determined Putin, all of them agree that Russia could not stand by while strategically important neighbors like Ukraine and Georgia were turned into bastions of Western politics and culture. You know, think of the United States. We act as a watchdog over the entire Western Hemisphere to make sure that foreign hostile forces don't get too close to our borders. The storyline that the mainstream press is not sharing concerns the 2014 overthrow of a democratically elected pro-Russian president, Viktor Yanukovych. He was considering joining the European Union. That was uh, the, the people of Ukraine wanted that, and he was going to do it. But Putin made him a counteroffer. And Yanukovych changed his mind at the last minute, turned the European Union down, and turned to Russia to join this new enterprise that uh, Putin was proposing. The Ukrainian people were uh, outraged. They basically ran him out of Dodge. Uh, and in fact, what you had was essentially a coup d'etat there. Um, this should not have uh, surprised the West. Putin got mad. Putin went and annexed Crimea in reaction to that. This he was sending a very clear signal. And I'll say it again. Every Russian leader, back to Gorbachev, does not want NATO or European Union enlargement. They, think that they thought it was fine for U.S. forces to remain in Europe. They're not complaining about that. They thought it was fine that NATO should remain intact. In fact, the Russian leaders wanted to keep uh, NATO intact in order to make sure Germany didn't go off the rails and that they'd remain a peaceful, a, pe- uh, a peaceful reunion. But they did not want NATO to grow any larger, and they assumed that Western diplomats understood their concerns. But in the mid-'90s, the Clinton administration began pushing for NATO expansion. 1999, NATO expands to include the Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland— 2004, NATO expands, takes over Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia. And Russia is complaining bitterly this whole time. In fact, during 1995's bombing campaign against the Bosnian Serbs, by the way, that was a NATO bombing campaign against the Bosnian Serbs, uh, Boris Yeltsin says, quote, this is the first sign of what could happen when NATO comes right up to the Russian Federation's borders. End quote. In 2008, NATO considers admitting Georgia and Ukraine. The United States is ready to accept them, but France and Germany say no. 
This is going to unduly antagonize Russia. But they compromise, saying, quote, these countries will become, at some undetermined future time, members of NATO. Moscow is furious. Georgia and Ukraine's membership in the NATO, you know, in the, that alliance, would be a huge strategic mistake that would have serious consequences for European security. Putin said that at that time. So in August of 2008, Russia invaded Georgia to show Putin's determination to prevent Georgia and Ukraine from joining NATO. We didn't pay much attention. In 2009, Albania and Croatia become members of NATO. But it's not just NATO. It's the European Union. They've been pushing eastward, bringing Western culture and politics that don't sit that well with historic Russian culture. The Eastern Partnership Initiative, for instance, worked to foster prosperity in Ukraine and integrate Ukraine into the European Union economy. Putin thought the plan was hostile to Russia's interests. He did not want to see the U.S. or the European Union creating a sphere of influence on Russia's borders. Remember, we're talking about being the next-door neighbor. Ukraine is the next-door neighbor to Russia. So Putin and Russia have watched as the West has enlarged NATO, expanded the European Union, promoted Western-style democracy all these years. Now, is it paranoid to worry when enemies, but those who you perceive as enemies, buy the house next door? Self-preservation tells you you have to fight back. And that's what, we're, that's what we're seeing here. No wonder Putin feels threatened. Ukraine, historically, has been a buffer state. It's kept, uh, it saved Russia from Napoleonic France, from Imperial Germany, from Nazi Germany. All these empires had to cross Ukraine before they could attack Russia. So Putin's use of military force should be condemned. That, uh, I want to make that clear. And we may not like uh, his logic, but we should understand it. You know, great nations are always sensitive to potential threats near their home territory. Uh, we certainly hear in the How did we regard Cuba when it became a strategic ally of the Soviet Union? We tried to, we, we worked to get rid of Castro's Cuba, right? This was, we, the United States itself, is very sensitive about hostile, you know, neighbors. So, I mean, think about it this way. Imagine that uh, China began forming strong alliances with Canada and Mexico and decided to enter into a military alliance uh, with Canada and Mexico and uh, built uh, very extravagant embassies there and cultivated strong relationships. And we'd be uncomfortable at the very least. And yet that is how all the Russian leaders uh, since Gorbachev, including Gorbachev, uh, have viewed uh, NATO expansion, European Union expansion, and our promotion of Western-style democracies. This is an important point because it has to do with how nations see themselves. You and I both think that the United States and you know, the Western European nations are not hungry for Russia. I mean, we, you, know, you never hear anybody say, we want to take Russia over, right? So we're not worried about, you know, we don't think we cause Russia any harm. But that's not how Russia sees us. Um, 
Russia has a long history of having ambivalent relationships with ambivalent relations with Europe, and now with the United States as the great superpower in the world today, although soon to be challenged by China. Um, you can understand how the leader of Russia might uh, have other motives than just his own uh, hunger for an empire. He may well be acting out of a motive to protect his own country. He's doing it the wrong way. Don't get me wrong. I'm not supporting him at all. But I'm saying we should be really aware that the mainstream press is not letting us know that there are some other explanations, serious explanations, at work for his behavior.